Frank recently taught about uh, relationships in the workplace, and uh, really this is a good uh, follow-up to that lesson. The lesson tonight is about uh, relationships and influence from those relationships. Um, it really stems from a reading in the Old Testament, and, and I really got to thinking about this uh, when I read about uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah or the cities of the plains, and, and about Lot and his family and, and about Lot's wife. Uh, our text here uh, in Luke, the 17th chapter, verse 32, Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Uh, in, the, in the parallel passage of uh, Matthew 24, the, uh, Jesus is looking at the temple and he tells his disciples, there will not be one stone left upon another. And they ask Jesus, well, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? They ask him these three questions and throughout that chapter he's talking to them about that. And... Um, so that's the, that's the uh, setup of that chapter and, and, and really the basis for what he says, but they're, they're, he so combines them it's hard to separate the two and many people just, uh, just recognize that chapter and what he says about the destruction of Jerusalem which happened in 70 AD. But it is a type of the end of time. But not only that, he's talking about the establishment of the church because as Brian pointed out this morning he says there be some standing here which shall not taste death till all these things be accomplished so you see he talks about them in such a way that you can actually interpret them to mean each thing the destruction of Jerusalem as as well as the end of the world uh, because they, they, they become a type of the end of the world he says <clears throat> um, he really warns uh, the, the people and talks to the people about, um, well, the Pharisees ask him in verse 20 of, of Luke when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus says the king, kingdom of God will not come with observation. He says, uh, <clears throat> it's not, he says the, 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 well, the thing is, it's not a physical kingdom. And we know, as Brian said this morning, people are still looking for the kingdom to be, to be established. They're looking for it to be established in, in uh, Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to come there and reign over the world. But the, the fact is, it's not a physical kingdom like you can find on a map. And you can point to a place on the map where the kingdom of heaven is, and you can go there. It's a spiritual kingdom. And so it doesn't come with observation. It does to the people of faith and to the people who recognize that it is truly a spiritual kingdom and that we can be part of the spiritual kingdom today. <clears throat> So uh, <clears throat> that's why he said it will not come with observation. And he said men will say, look, here it is, or look, there it is. He says, don't fall for that. He says men will desire to see the days of the Son of Man and will not see it. Yet he says it will be like the lightning which shines across the heavens. Because the church is throughout the world and it is also part of the kingdom of heaven. The church it, or the kingdom of heaven is part of heaven too. And so people of faith can see this spiritual kingdom and can recognize the, that God has provided for us to be part of that kingdom of heaven. But people without faith, uh, they don't even see it. Now, Jesus warns 
in this chapter about uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. He warns the, the, the Christians to flee. He says, when you, see, when you see these things coming about, he says, flee to the mountains. He says, those that are on the rooftop, don't go down and into the house and gather your things. He says, just go. Those that are in the field, they weren't to stop to pick up their clothes. They were to just flee to the mountains and to, and to refuse. The mountains actually were, had many caves in it, and actually thieves and, and uh, criminals would use these caves for hiding. But the, the Israelites oftentimes in times of uh, trouble would go there for safety. They could be hidden up there. And so Jesus warns the Christians to flee uh, before uh, these things take place. And what happened? The Roman armies uh, encompassed Jerusalem. Uh, actually, history records that there were no Christians killed in, in the destruction of Jerusalem because of the warnings of Jesus. They heeded those warnings and they fled before the city was actually uh, uh, encompassed by the armies. And so uh, the Roman armies, uh, led by Titus, they, they encircled the city and they built a wall around the city uh, so that no provisions could go in and nobody could escape. And their plan was to just starve them out. And uh, I don't know how long that went, but uh, the Jews decided to try to make an escape. And when they tried some to uh, uh, fight their way out, well, the, the Romans just, uh, just uh, fought them back and then entered the city. And as they entered the city, they just killed as they went. There was, it was just a, a, a total destruction. And, and as Jesus said, the temple was destroyed and not completely flat. And it's said of that, uh, uh, of that uh, destruction that 90,000 people were taken captive and sold into slavery or killed in the arenas or crucified. And uh, 1,300,000 were slain during that time, the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, it's said that uh, they were either killed by the sword or crucified, and that so many were crucified that they were running out of places to put crosses and crosses to put bodies on. So it was a very uh, terrible destruction. But in that, uh, some say that was the uh, uh, fulfillment of the cries of the Jews that Jesus' blood be upon them and their children. But the Christians escaped and because of Jesus' warnings. And Jesus said that, that, that time would be like the time of Noah and the time of Sodom. When people were going about their lives, they were buying and selling, eating and drinking, building and marrying. But as soon as Lot left the city, fire and brimstone came down from heaven and destroyed the city. And then he said, remember Lot's wife. Um, Lot's wife is a, an example of someone who didn't want to leave. Someone who looked back and she perished with the city. Uh, uh, we're, we're told not to look back. He, the Christians were warned, not, don't look back, just flee. And don't save anything from the city. Don't, don't, collect your, don't take the time to collect your belongings, but just flee. And they did and they were saved. And so we're not to look back. And this is a type, really, Jesus says in the next verse, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. By, by dropping everything and leaving their life there and fleeing, they saved their life. So you see, by losing their life, they saved it. 
But if they sought to save it, they would lose it. They would lose their life with all the rest of the, of the Jews. You know, uh, this is, a, uh, this is a, a, a also like uh, our giving up our life. This, this, is not just a, this does not just apply to someone who gives up their physical life. Like, like the martyrs, you know, they could say uh, that, uh, that they, they gave up their life for Christ, for their faith. And they did. And, and even uh, happily, gladly, they said uh, they, were, they were glad to be counted worthy to die for the Lord. And, uh, and they did. They would go to the, to the gallows or to the stake or to the crosses. Peter even would, would uh, ask that he be hung upside down on his cross because he was not worthy to die in the manner that Jesus did. Uh, but this is not, does not just fit them. It also fits all people, all Christians of all generations, and you and I, that we give up our life. We don't live as the world does. We don't, when we come to God, we repent of the way we live, and we turn to follow Jesus and the teachings of God. That's what repentance is, is a change. We've changed our way of living. We no longer live like the world. We live like the Lord. And we walk in his paths. Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20, It is no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And, and you know, in everything, in everything we do, we need to live as the, as the Lord uh, directs us. And we, and we follow the commandments of, of God in, in the scriptures. Uh, the, the point of this lesson is to uh, be careful about our relationships. And we're warned in the scriptures to be very careful about who we associate with because their influence can lead us away from the right way, from the right path, the influence of the world. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 6 and, and 14, it says, be not, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. We're not to, have a, we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, you, you could say this is a stern warning, but really it's a command. We're commanded not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, I don't think you could twist it to be anything else. And, and the warning is so true that we are influenced by people we associate with. And it's not just, um, uh, actually, let me explain, Paul's warning here is to uh, uh, pagan practices. And he's, he's warning them not to fellowship with uh, paganism. But the practice of paganism is carried out into, in today's, the, the immoral living and the immoral practices is, is done in the world today, just like, just like then, not any, not any better. And so the warning is to us too, in our relationships, not to those who uh, become believers and are married to, uh, to a, a unbeliever or a pagan, uh, because Paul deals with that, and he says we're, if, if uh, the relationship is happy, in 1 Corinthians uh, 7th chapter, he says if they're pleased to dwell with you, then, then they're not to separate. But he's talking about people who are Christians and become 
involved with an unbeliever. We're not to, we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, with pagans and with uh, unrighteousness and with uh, unholiness. And he says, what communion hath light with darkness? We are the children of light, and the world is darkness. Paul says in the first verse of first, Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, he says, "We then, as workers together with you, with uh, uh, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain." And then he goes on to tell them that they were not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. By doing so, they they cause their faith to be vain. They've received the grace of God. Uh, in vain. There's an illustration from uh, uh, in one of the commentaries that said uh, two businessmen went into business together and one had money and the other had knowledge and after a year's time the one that had the knowledge had the money and the one that had the money had the knowledge. And that's really the way it works, you know, that's, a, that's, that's an illustration of our relationships. You know, when we have a relationship with somebody, soon we become like them. And, it, and if we have a close relationship, we develop uh, uh, tendencies of uh, like, our, like our partner, like our friend, like our fellow workman, work person. So uh, it's true uh, that uh, relationships affect us. Even though we may not feel like they do, they really do. The more we spend time with someone, the more we become like that person. So, um, Paul goes on to say in, in 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 17 and 18, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what we're to project. And uh, we need to be very careful about our associations in business, uh, at school, uh, and, and certainly in marriage, that we marry someone who is uh, like-minded or we will be headed for trouble. The rest of the lesson uh, this afternoon is examples, examples of that very thing happening. Uh, in in uh, Genesis, the sixth chapter, talks about the flood there. And um, here it says, Genesis 6 and verses 1 through 4, it says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and after, also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became, became mighty men 
which were of old men of renown. People get a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, mileage out of these verses and, the, and uh, a lot of, uh, of uh, misunderstanding uh, from this. Simply, you see, the sons of God are the people of God, the men of God, the faithful. They marry the daughters of men, the daughters of the unrighteous. They saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They were attractive and they desired them. So they took, they took daughters of men, of the worldly men, the unrighteous, the children of Cain, you might say, and they married them. And, and God says uh, the, the, uh, the offspring, they bear, bear children to them that became mighty men that were of old men of renown. Then in verse 5 it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. You see what happened? The righteous intermarried with the unrighteous. Now they lived a long time then. It says in the previous chapter, Noah lived 500 years. Many before that lived 800, 900 years. And God says here, uh, my, uh, my spirit, verse 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God shortened their life. But you can imagine, in five, six hundred years, what a, what a, 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 what a, what a, a kingdom you could build. What masses of, uh, of treasures you could collect. And that's why these men became men of renown. Mighty men. Because they amassed greatness. But they were, their heart was turned from righteousness. Turned from God. Because they intermarried with the daughters of men. And so they were turned from righteousness. And God says in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Only Noah in the whole world. Noah and his family. Eight souls. <clears throat> in uh, 2 Peter 2, 4 and 5, it says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. You see how the influence of, a re of relationships can can, uh, well, uh, corrupt people. It corrupted the whole world because the unrighteous and the righteous mingled together. And more often than not, it seems the unrighteous has the, the overpowering influence. In 2 Peter 2, uh, 6 through 8, it says, And turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct <coughs> of the wicked. For that righteous man 
dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Uh, you know, it says here that Lot was a righteous man, and I, I certainly uh, don't uh, uh, contradict the scriptures. Uh, uh, Lot, Lot held on to his righteousness, but he was in the middle of wickedness, a wicked place. He married uh, a wife of the city and, um, and raised children, but they were influenced by the wickedness of that city. Uh, in uh, Genesis uh, 13 and 10, it says there that Lot lifted up his eyes. Actually, uh, you know, Lot and Abraham traveled together. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And they lived together, but they, were, they had grown so large that they, they were, they were, there was contention between Lot's uh, people and Abraham's people. So Abraham said, uh, let's separate, let's divide up, and you go your way. You choose whichever way you want to go, and I'll go the other way. So here in verse 10, Lot looks out into the plains of Jordan the beautiful, well-watered plains and the cities there. And he says, I'm going to go there. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well-watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Uh, that made me pause and think. It says uh, it was well-watered before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I've seen pictures of that area and there's nothing, there's just nothing attractive to me about it. It's just desert. But maybe it wasn't at one time. Maybe after uh, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities, there was, by the way, five cities, but Sodom and Gomorrah are mentioned always. Uh, and, and, but there was five cities destroyed. All the cities of the plains were destroyed. Four, actually, Zor was, was saved. But, uh, but, you know, maybe that place has changed. Maybe the, the terrain has changed since God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Turn with me, if you want, to Genesis 19, and we'll read there uh, the account of, uh, of Lot being uh, saved uh, there in, in, uh, in Sodom. Genesis 19. And there came two angels to Sodom. At even, and Lot sat at the in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold, now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake, bake unleavened bread and they did eat. Uh, the scripture says these are two angels and, and, and three men had actually talked to Abraham in the previous chapter. And uh, uh, it's, it's believed that one of those men was, was the Lord and the two angels and that these two were probably the two angels that were with Abraham and talked with him before. But here two angels come to Sodom and they see Lot sitting at the gate. Perhaps he was uh, doing business and that was the place to where traffic could come through. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why he was sitting at the gate. But he sees them and I believe it seems like from the reading that he recognized them as holy men or maybe even recognizes them as angels. He bows down to them and he, and he uh, invites them, he, he encourages them <laughs> 
uh, urges them to come into his house and, and, uh, and he would, he would uh, uh, feed them and wash their feet. It says in verse 3, and he pressed upon them greatly. Of course, they knew the city and Lot knew the city. He wanted them off the street that night. Verse 4, and, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. The whole city was uh, like this. In other words, uh, so uh, they, it was not, uh, it was not uh, just a few that were evil. The whole city was corrupt, young and old, from every quarter. They came and they said, uh, they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. <clears throat> And, uh, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. This really, uh, it, this really is a hideous uh, thought that uh, Lot would offer his daughters uh, to these men. Of course, the women of this day had very little to say, and, uh, and uh, they, they were really were uh, a lower class, it seemed like, in this day. But still, you know, these were Lot's, Lot's daughters, and he offered them to the men of the city to save uh, the, the men, the angels, that were under his house. And they said, stand back, and, and they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. Uh, this is quite a scene, and, and it's really, uh, well, it speaks for itself for the wickedness of the city and uh, all of the city. And so Lot was saved. They almost broke down the door trying to get into Lot. They weren't going to have anything to do with Lot's, uh, uh, you know, his appeasing them or holding them back. They, they just about knocked down the door going right through Lot. The angels reached out and grabbed Lot and brought him inside and shut the door. Then they struck the people with a blindness. Commentators say that it's probably not a blindness, literally, uh, that they would lose their sight, but, but with confusion, because it says that they, so that they couldn't even find the door. So, uh, so uh, again in verse 11, And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the city, the cry of them, is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up! 
Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Uh, uh, one commentator said Lot probably had four daughters. And, and it makes sense to me. Some want to make these the, the betrothed to the two daughters that are in his house. But really, you know, Lot could have had four daughters, two virgin daughters in his house and two that had married. And that makes sense. Whatever the case, Lot went to his sons-in-law and begged them to go with him and flee from the city because the city was going to be destroyed. And they thought he was, they, they, they thought he was joking. And they, they wouldn't believe him and they mocked him. And so, <clears throat> verse 15, When the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou uh, be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. There are several points I, I want to make from this. First of all, his two daughters that were married had no say. Lot, of course, had to speak to, the, to their husbands, but their husbands were men of the city and they thought he was a lunatic. Lot lost his two daughters. He had two daughters in the house and why he was lingering and why he was hesitating because of the influence of that city. Lot wanted to stay. Verse 17, And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for your life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plains. Escape to the mountains, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O oh, 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 not so, my Lord, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee into, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. This was Zor. And uh, so the angel agreed. He said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, and I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the habitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Uh, the... <clears throat> Really, the, the, whole, the whole idea here in this reading and the points I want to, to bring out is the influence of the wicked upon righteous Lot. Peter said he was vexed with their conversation day and night continually. Not only that, Lot chose. Lot made some... He, he was a righteous man, the scripture says, but he made some poor decisions. He chose the beauty of the plains 
And he went down there and became involved with the wickedness of the cities there. Became uh, influenced. He lost his daughters. He lost his wife. He could very well have lost his own life. But for the sake of Abraham, Lot was saved. Imagine that. The angels took them by the hand and drug them out of the city. They just tarried, kept tarrying. The angels had to drag them out of the city and say, flee for your life. You know, uh, um, the, um, the uh, Hebrews had a real problem uh, with, uh, uh, with this. God, taught, God warned the Hebrews uh, not, to, uh, uh, not, to, not to marry the people of the land. Abraham, uh, Abraham uh, commanded his uh, servant and made him swear that he would take a, a wife for, for Isaac of his, of his family. In, in Genesis 24 and 3 it says, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. So we know that Abraham's servant went back to the uh, Mesopotamia where, where Abraham was from and found Rebekah and brought him back for Isaac as wife. Uh, Isaac and Rebekah had twins, and Esau married the women of the, of the Canaanites. <clears throat> in verse uh, in 26 and 34, it says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Berai the Hittite, and, and uh, Bashemoth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which was a grief of mind to Isaac and to Rebekah. In verses uh, chapter 28, 1 and 2, it says, and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of, the, of Canaan. Arise, go to uh, Badan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban. Later uh, Esau saw that, uh, that his parents were not happy with uh, the, the, the wives he got from the you know, from the Canaanites. So he went to Ishmael and got, one of, uh, got two of his daughters and married them. Uh, the point is that, uh, you see, God's people had to be careful to marry the righteous and not intermingle with the unrighteous because it would be their downfall. And it was continually. Uh, in Deuteronomy, it talks, uh, God warns the people not to marry uh, uh, outside of Israel. Deuteronomy 7 and 3, Neither shalt thou make marriage with them, thy daughters thou shalt not give unto his sons, nor his daughters shalt thou take unto thy sons. For they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto him above all people that are upon the face of the earth. We are God's people today. And uh, we are chosen of God. We are called of God. And, and we are, we are, we are uh, purified 
and made holy, sanctified for the use of God. We need to be careful that we don't be influenced by the evil of the world uh, as they were. In Ezra 9, 1 and 2, it says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the princes and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land, doing according to their abomination, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves." And for their sons, so that the holy seed has mingled themselves with the people of the land. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers uh, hath been chief in this trespass. Solomon, of course, a, a, a uh, oh, uh, the wisest of uh, the wisest of men. He had the wisdom of God. And he was a great king and, a, and, and made Israel a great uh, nation during his reign. But he married. He married hundreds of wives of the land. And they led him away from God. In 1 Kings 11 And uh, verse 1 and 2 says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the uh, Zidonians, the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after other gods." Solomon clave unto these in love. In verses nine, beginning with verse 9, it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which hath appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the, the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy day I will not do it for David thy father's sake, for I will, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son, for David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Because of Solomon's uh, involvement with these women of the land, he was taken away from God, and his, his conduct was, uh, was uh, sinful. He was led uh, astray from God by those relationships. And so God destroyed the kingdom, took the kingdom out of his hand, but for David's sake. He saved Judah. Judah stayed in Jerusalem, but during the reign of Rehoboam, the kingdom was divided. And as Brian was talking about, the northern kingdom, Israel, was the ten tribes, and then there was Judah, which was more faithful than Israel. Israel was not faithful. They served other gods, and they lasted about 250 years, and the Assyrians conquered them. And then they intermingled with the, with the uh, 
other people of the land and they, their, their uh, bloodline was lost. They were no longer a pure bloodline. And we, they became the Samaritans. And you know, you, you've read about the Samaritans in the New Testament. The, the Jews hated them because they didn't, follow the, they didn't worship God after the law of Moses anymore. They didn't even worship in Jerusalem anymore. Only the Jews did. So the, the Samaritans were a mixed race and they were, they were despised by the Jews because they were no longer the people of God. They were taken away by the marriaging and the intermingling of other races other than the, than the people of God. Well, the point of the lesson this afternoon is to point out uh, how we can be led astray and, and how it will damage us as people of God in our relationships in the world. Frank taught about this uh, er, uh, uh, last week, and I thought this would be a good uh, uh, follow-up to that. Again, let me read uh, 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, in verse 17. He says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch that which is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information, or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.